This is the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess, and we're staying calm and in control during labor in episode number 161. Welcome to the Birth, Baby, and Life podcast, the tips, tools, and straight talk you want for pregnancy, childbirth, and bringing up baby. And now your host, Kristen Burgess. Hi, ladies. It is Kristen Burgess from naturalbirthandbabycare.com, and I am so excited to be here with you today to talk about a topic that I truly feel is one that comes up again and again and again and is in every mom's heart and at the back of basically every mom's mind. It's one of the number one fears that I hear about birth, and that's going out of control. So I'm really excited to share with you. I'm actually really excited, period. Uh, I'm going to tell you a little bit more about this at the end of the podcast episode, but I'm super excited because I'm working on another show for you, not a podcast, but actually an online event. It's coming up in the next couple of weeks. It's called Plan Your Natural Birth, and I'm pulling together experts, speakers, inspirational people, birthy people, wise people, everybody that I have been able to get to talk to you about how to have a healthy pregnancy, how to plan a natural birth. It's just the energy behind the interviews has been so exciting and I can't wait to have you there. If you want to get a little sneak peek right now, you can go to birthbabylife.com slash show. You can register there. It's going to be totally free to watch all the interviews. I would love to have you join us. Like I said, I'll tell you a little bit more at the end, but the energy from those interviews is just phenomenal. There's so much wisdom. And so if this is a topic that you feel worried about or if anything about preparing for a natural birth or having a healthy pregnancy is something that's on your mind, then it is definitely going to be an event that you do not want to miss. Let's pivot back to the actual topic for today, though, and I'm just going to let this happy, excited energy carry me through. So like I said, this worry about being out of control is one of the biggest worries that I hear from moms. Moms worry about the pain of labor, and we talk about that a lot. I've talked about that a lot. I talked about that on the master class a few weeks ago. But I think moms also worry, they just worry about being out of control. They worry about losing themselves and and just maybe not being present or maybe being hysterical. I believe that the media has fed this fear in a large way because when you see women on movies or TV shows, even in books, not so much in books. I think in books, the birth scenes just tend to be dramatic and depressing. Like you have moms who are, you know, dying in childbirth and it's why. I just don't understand except for remember that in a book, usually they're trying to set up for some dramatic, sad, tragic background for the main character to overcome. And for some reason, they feel the need to have that occur with something happening during that character's birth. Why, I sound a little bit callous about it, but it's like why they can't just knock off mom a few months later. I don't understand why we have to continue to perpetuate this. But that's what you usually see in books. However, in Hollywood, in TV, in movies, it's it's usually a woman losing control. Like she's just going out of control. She's screaming hysterically. And it's not just in comedies that you see that. Though they're bad, and at least in a comedy you get that it's it's for comic effect, but you actually tend to see it 
in dramas and other things. It's just birth is portrayed as this terrible thing. And it's portrayed as this thing where women just completely lose it and they become out of control or they become raving monsters who bite everybody's head off. The picture is not pretty. And what kind of an image? And really, that's the only image that we tend to be giving to 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 girls who are growing up and to women who are pregnant and birthing and to partners, to husbands, to mothers, to aunts, to those who are supporting our birthing women today. Those are the images that they're bombarded with. And is it any wonder that when that's the narrative, when that's the story that we've created as a culture, those are the fears that you would have. Those are the fears that people around you would have or the stereotypes that they're going to hold on to. They're really damaging and I, for one, am unhappy about them. I love my oldest. She's in college now, and she tells me that she wants to write some movie scripts or direct some movies that have good birth scenes just for me. And, you know, it's like I love her so much for that. It's so much fun to think that she's gotten that impression that this is so important over the years. But let's talk about this. So what does out of control really mean? I mean, is out of control in birth screaming hysterically or biting everybody's head off so that you kind of become the butt of jokes. But there's the problem with that is there's no dignity. And I feel like that's probably one of the things that women worry about because, I mean, when we think about other times when people might quote-unquote go out of control. So if you think about somebody who's grieving, we often have a lot of grace to hold space. Like you would think about somebody who had just lost a parent or just lost a spouse. And you would think about the community coming around that person and holding space for them while they cry. Friends who are with that person as they're curled up on the floor crying. And I don't, I don't want to just like give you guys lots of negative stuff to dwell on right here. But it's just a good example of a time when we would consider it quote unquote normal for people to be out of control and yet at the same time they're still supported. There's somebody who's there holding space for them and who's telling them it's okay for you to feel like this. But we have, and there's dignity in that. That person may be out of control. They may be sobbing uncontrollably. I mean, the person who's there supporting them may be handing them tissue after tissue after tissue because their nose is running and there's tears and their eyes are puffy and swollen. Yet there's dignity. Everybody in the room, everybody supporting that person believes in in that individual's dignity. The portrayals that we have about birth and going out of control, there's no dignity. Again, there's a but of comedic jokes or there's this portrayal of of a woman biting everybody's head off and it's lacking dignity lacking respect and that is a big problem and I believe that that is one of the reasons why women worry about this so much is because they worry about how they'll be seen or how they'll be perceived when there are other times in life when people are stressed And they're supported in that stress and carried and held at least for a period of time. And so when a mom, and we're going to get practical here, right? And this is really, but if there are any daddies listening, and I know y'all are already on board if there are midwives or doulas listening or other birth workers. But if we consider the very short duration of time that labor takes, you know, if you think about supporting somebody in grief, you're talking about days or weeks and grief just doesn't. 
it doesn't dissipate overnight. There may be a time when a friend needs you weeks and weeks and weeks into the grieving process or a time when you're an especially good friend and you're there a year later or even longer and you're just there to support that person and love them. Labor really is very short compared to a process like that, which has that sanctioning for for holding the space for somebody. Labor is going to take a day, maybe two days. So can't we as a society and as people who are interacting with women who are giving birth, either as a husband or partner or doula or a birth worker or a mother or a sister, a friend, hold the space for a woman and have that expectation that this is an incredible event. That's another thing. We as a society, birth is mechanical. There's a mother, there's a baby, and it's a mechanical process. Those two are almost completely separate entities, even though that is not a reality. And, oh, one of my speakers that's going to be on the event, again, remember birthbabylife.com slash show, she did a beautiful job talking about this, that baby and mother are really not separate entities, and it actually takes the baby quite a while to realize that he or she is a separate entity. Like their nervous system, neural system, believes that they're part of the mother's nervous system and neural system for quite a while, even a couple years after your baby's birth. And there's this process of helping them realize that they are a different person, differentiating and individuating, which is a process that then continues. But that's that's not the way that we as a society view pregnancy and birth, at least not in this culture in the United States and in many other modern countries. It's it's very different in other cultures and traditional cultures. Um, we, you know, we put traditional cultures down in a lot of ways, and many of them certainly had ways in which they held back and oppressed women and children and others. But oftentimes we see in traditional cultures that there is more honoring of the mother-baby as a unit, and even more honoring of the institution of motherhood, which is something that should be honored and is not in our modern culture. At least it's given lip service, but not really actually any support or value as being worthy in and of itself. But that is a whole nother rabbit trail that we could go down. So we don't see this, uh, you know, this kind of respect for, for holding this space and this respect for honoring this transition or for what women are going through. And I feel like that's something that we need to do. So like I said, if you're a birth partner, or daddy, a doula, somebody who's listening to this, then please do realize that holding the space for this transition, which is an awesome transition, as I was saying, we believe that it's just mother and baby in this mechanical process, but it's actually far more. Motherhood is a rite of passage. Pregnancy and birth are a rite of passage. Even if it's your eighth baby, it's still a rite of passage, and it deserves to be honored as such. So there's an amazing transition going on for this mom, and it's not just transition, the third part of the first stage of labor. It's really a transition into motherhood, and there may be much more than just the physical stuff going on. But when we look at it in perspective, again, it's only a short time. It's only a day or two. Now, this mom's journey has been going on since the moment she found out she was pregnant or even on her conception journey. But there is a certain culmination and commencement, let's put it that way, culminating a pregnancy and commencing a new mother that's going on during labor. So it's much more than just the mechanical feeling 
or the mechanical processes of labor, which are certainly there, but they're actually far more beautiful than the mainstream model looks at. So what we need to do is just honor that this is a place to be held and that it is okay for this to be a place of intense change, of intense genesis of something new, both the baby and the new mother, the new relationship for the family. There's a lot going on. So let's have compassion, let's have uh, sensitivity, and let's just have the awareness. Let's, let's, you know, go into this with eyes wide open that this is a big thing happening and it is okay to take some time out of our lives to hold a space for a mother who is literally undergoing transformation, a transformation that should be beautiful. So let's come back. Let's come back to you moms because that was a little bit of a tangent given to those who are supporting moms. But let's come back to you and look at this. So out of control. It's something that we don't want. And I've made a case for let's hold space and support women no matter what's going on. Walk into this without judgment for what it should look like or for what it should be because it's a transformation on every level. And I do believe that it should be a transformation that it may be intense because it's a huge ch- it's not just having a baby it is a huge change to who you are and so that space should be held in this situation but it should be joyful as well it should be joyful and so even in its intensity i want it to be joyful for you that's what i talked about on the on the master class you could go to birthbabylife.com master class to still check out the replay but again it's just this is big. This is big. So when you think about that, give yourself a little bit of grace and give yourself a little bit of perspective. There's all the physical sensations and then all of the mental, all of the emotional, even all of the spiritual transitions and changes taking place. And there can be a lot tied up in it. One of the things that I recommend and that you're going to hear over and over and over again when you listen to the speakers for the show is this concept that uh, pregnancy and birth do constitute a rite of passage on some level. And so when you do work beforehand, and I'll come back to this in a little bit more detail, more practical in a couple minutes, but when you do the work beforehand, there's not as much, there's not as much emotional intensity during your labor and your birth. And that really helps often to lessen the pain and to keep you more grounded and more centered during the process. Because I think when people think about out of control, when women picture going out of control, that's what they think. They think I'm going to be in so much pain and agony that I can't handle it. Women, many women are at their core terrified of labor. In fact, I would say that most women are. Even women who have birthed before, often even more so because women who have birthed before have trauma from previous births. And I just want to you know, take a moment to acknowledge that and validate that if that's been your experience. So many women are terrified of labor. You're not alone if that's you. Many women have fears. I've had eight babies, all of them naturally, and I've had worries and concerns with all of them. Now, I will say that when I got to my last couple babies, there was a place of stepping into that with willingness and openness that wasn't necessarily there with my first couple babies because I had been through it many times. And had gotten to the place where there wasn't really any fear about the physical process anymore. But each pregnancy, each birth, were still an emotional journey. There was a lot 
going on in me based on where I was in my life, based on where I was in my marriage, based on where I was parenting my other kids. There was a lot going on and all of that came with me to birth. So those are the things that I want to just acknowledge you in is that there's a lot going on. And so when you think about it, you know, there may be fear and that's okay. And I think that there's this fear that I just won't be able to handle it, that I'll be out of control, that I'll end up screaming for the drugs. A lot of women feel a lot of shame about a lot of things. And that gets rolled into what you think about with birth. You think about shame and worry and that sort of concern. Um, Maybe you think that you'll give in, that you'll be a failure. I know that for me, the thought of turning into that quote-unquote monster who was biting everybody's head off, I, I really didn't want that to be me. I had a fear about that. I didn't want to bite my husband's head off. I didn't want to be mean during labor. I didn't want to be yelling at everybody. And so to me, that was part of my fear about being out of control. And that wasn't something that I wanted to do or to have, you know, to experience or to do to other people. So these are all things that women can can worry about and be controlled about. Or excuse me, be concerned about. I want to challenge you right now to think about out of control because maybe I'm I'm a type A personality. I am a planner. I you know, I did I did the live stream this week and showed off our schedule for our homeschool days, which is quite, you know, it's quite a formal schedule written out on paper each each half hour block of the day is scheduled out. It's, it's very formal. That's the kind of person that I am. I'm a, I'm a planner, an organizer. I, I like to be in control. And life has really humbled me in the last few years by teaching me to survive when everything feels out of control. But I still like to be in control. And so there's this, this fear about being out of control. But I want to challenge you that in birth, there's a different place that you get to where you're out of control, but it's not a bad thing. So I think all of us would agree that that hysterical, totally losing it, that that can be a bad thing. But what if during birth, you move out of that place of conscious control and into something different? And I think that most of us can conceptualize this because at least recently, uh, on a cultural level, we've talked about doing good work and about getting into this place where you're in this place of creativity or work. It's it's equally applicable if you're an artistic type or if you're more of a business type, analytical type, because it's talked about in both circles. And that's getting into a state of flow. So if you're an artist, you get into this place where, you know, you've invoked the muse and you're in this place where create, creativity is flowing and your art is flowing, your the paints are flowing or dance is flowing, whatever it is, you know, whatever is your chosen art form, you realize that hours have passed. Maybe you're knitting or crocheting and you look up and you can't believe the time that's passed and there's this beautiful thing at your needles. You're an artist and you look at this drawing or this painting that you've created or this pottery that you've just thrown or you're a dancer or you're an athlete. And you realize that you've just gotten into this state of flow where it's coming. In business, we talk about it too. You're a programmer. You sit down and start programming and there's this state of flow. You're a writer and you write. Whatever it is that you do, there's a state of flow. And that's something that's looked upon positively by our society. 
is this ability to get into this state of flow. And, and our society is also coming to look at giving permission to get into this state of flow. We're hyper-connected and people are expected to be always on. But there's a growing tolerance, even acceptance and embrace of people saying, I need to check out for a little bit because I really need to get deeply into this. I need to go into this deep work. Cal, I just finished reading a book by Cal Newport, which was a great book uh, called Deep Work. And he talks about this state of flow, this state of flow and the beauty of that state. And that he, you know, and that we need to make space in our life to get into this deep flow state. I'm not actually sure if throughout the book he really talks about the state of flow because he uses the terminology deep work, but that's really what he's talking about. And that is what I want to invite you to consider can happen during your birthing time. So it's not necessarily that you're out of control in that stereotypical sense of, of you know, you know, yelling your head off. But it's that you're able to get into that place of flow where you're really working with your birthing time, where you're really working with your baby. And you don't have to be consciously controlling every moment. That is when birth really flows because there's already this inner wisdom within you that knows how to do this, just like it knew how to grow your baby, just like it knew how to conceive your baby. Just like it will know how to produce milk to nourish your baby. Your body has this deep inner wisdom already. And so when you can get into that state of flow, you're not necessarily consciously in control. But things are flowing and you're in that space where your body is opening and your baby is moving down. And you're in a way able to get out of your own way and really just accept that. And that is a positive thing. That's the place that I definitely feel like I've been able to get to quicker with my later babies because there was a lot of learning that went into running up to their births across their siblings' births of learning how to really just say, okay, let's do this. Let's lock into that place of flow and let things move. I do believe that there are practical suggestions that help assist you getting to that place of flow and help assist you in handling that worry about going out of control. I, I cannot end this podcast episode without telling you that if you do end up out of control, if you do end up screaming hysterically and begging for the drugs, it is okay. Many women have been there. And I also want to encourage you that it is not the end of the road. It does not mean that you've, you know, even if you decided to get an epidural or something, that's fine. That might ultimately be what you need. But even if you feel tempted by the epidural and you're ready to throw in the towel on this natural birth thing, that doesn't actually mean that your hope for a natural birth is done because there's actually quite a lot that you can do to get back in control to move back towards that state of flow. This is, again, another place where a birth partner can be essential. Breathing is often really good. Oftentimes, if you're in that place where it just feels so intense that you can't handle it anymore, it's time to breathe and let that one go, and it's time to change positions. A position change, getting some water, getting some quick energy in the form of uh, fresh fruit or something simple like that, 
can really help you. Sometimes being reminded of your why. I can remember um, an episode that I did with a doula. And she talked about a mom who was in this place of really feeling like she wanted to throw in the towel. Like she couldn't do it. It was just too much. And she showed her, the mom had a picture of her, an ultrasound picture of her baby on her lock screen. And Nikki showed her that picture and it helped remind the mom of her why and that her baby was working with her too. I've actually had students email me to tell me that one of the biggest things that helped them was remembering throughout that they were working with their baby and that their baby was doing this as well. Those are things that can really help carry you or really help you get back in control even if you've had a particularly difficult contraction or difficult few contractions. So remember, changing positions, getting some hydration, doing breathing, remembering your why, sometimes going to the bathroom. If you've been drinking well, you may need to go to the bathroom and that helps relieve pressure on your bladder, which makes you much more comfortable and helps baby move where baby needs to move. Because if there's a big old bladder in the way, your baby may not be able to rotate. So there are things like that. Getting upright if you've been laying back in bed. Those are all things that can really help facilitate the baby doing what he or she needs to do. And you working with things and just being able to handle the whole energy of labor better. So just because things do feel out of control or you do feel like you've lost it, so to speak, doesn't mean that it's over and that it's done. But preparation, right, preparation is actually really important. I talk about getting into the flow, but when we think about an artist or an athlete or even a programmer, a business person, when they're a novice, they're probably not getting into the flow so easily, right? I I mean, I've been... I've been enjoying, I was talking to a mentor about this a few days ago. I've been enjoying dancing before the kids get up, you know, before everybody else is up in the house. It's like the kind of thing that's like for me and my husband's eyes only um, because I look kind of awkward and gawky and embarrassing, but I've really been enjoying it. It's something that I've wanted to do for a long time. I've I've danced through some of my baby's pregnancies doing a prenatal belly dance, but It's something that I've wanted to do just, you know, just for me and to enjoy. And when I first started, when I first made the commitment to do it regularly, I mean, like, I probably wouldn't want anybody else's eyes on me, but I've gotten better. And I'm still, you know, I'm still probably not going to be dancing on any sort of stage or in public, but I enjoy it for me. And... That's a, just an example. Like when I first got started, I, I really had to think about it a lot. There was no, not really much getting in the flow because I was so self-conscious and awkward and I couldn't figure out how to organize my movements. And I'd watch this video, you know, where this woman is dancing and I like have to pause 50 million times and go back and watch it in slow-mo because I can't even figure out how to coordinate all of my body to move in that way. But as I do it over and over again, I, I always remember my friend Sam who was a friend in high school when we were both into band and learning instruments. And he would say, practice slow to learn fast. And so that's really true, at least with dance, is, you know, you just practice. 
And eventually it gets to where your brain doesn't have to think about it quite so much. And the movements do start to flow. And then you do get into the flow and you're able to really enjoy. Like dance is is one where you're really enjoying the physicality and, and feeling your body. But it's the same with anything. A beginning programmer is having to refer to the book a dozen times because they can't, they don't remember the code and it's not intuitive enough for them to be able to get in that state of flow. The same with any athlete or artist. What happens when we've practiced a bit is that you can get into that state of flow because you're not constantly overthinking it and analyzing it. So birth is preparing. Some of it is preparing on a really practical level as choices. That's everybody's favorite thing to think about with a natural birth. But natural birth, and they usually stop there, which is which is unfortunate because it goes it goes beyond that. But choices are important at the beginning. Choosing the right care provider, choosing the right place to give birth, choosing the birthing environment, um, a calm, quiet environment, even a slightly darkened room is going to be very helpful to you during your birthing time. So those choices are important. And then there's mental and spiritual preparation. So birth is a big event. Like I said earlier, it's a huge transition. It's a rite of passage for a woman. And there's a lot going on there. And when you've embraced pregnancy as part of that rite of passage, you're able to do that work prior to your birthing time beginning and that will really help you because you come into your birthing time with more processed and more open and ready you're literally more open and ready on a mental emotional spiritual plane and that makes it easier for your body to be open and ready now i think we all have apprehensions about motherhood right up to the you know up to it i can remember when i was pregnant with cassidy i had read so much about taking care of babies and everything that i was i felt ready for that but i felt anxiety like how will I deal with beyond babyhood will I be a good mother all of those questions came up so there are many 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 things that come up and not all of those are going to be resolved but if you acknowledge them and give them space during your pregnancy to be okay with oh my gosh I do have uh, some you know I may have a little bit of anxiety about this or I do feel a sense of ambivalence about this. Those feelings are all okay. And when you acknowledge them and when you give them space, maybe doing some journaling about them or thinking about them, go on a walk and just let your mind wander, pray over them if that is something that resonates with you. Those things will help to prepare you for the transition of birthing your baby because you've at least, you, I talked about other people holding space for you during labor. And this is really during pregnancy, you holding space for you and being accepting of that journey of motherhood and the, the apprehensions, the misgivings, the excitement, the joy, all of that is rolled up in this very profound transition and transformation. And so when you acknowledge that and you're open to that and let some of that work happen during pregnancy, you're more ready to open up on a physical level during your birthing time. And then practice. Again, that novice coder, that novice athlete, she had to really overthink at first. Do a lot of referencing. Do that during pregnancy. Uh, Do something like mama baby birthing, which is my online birthing class. And I'm there to personally support you on a weekly basis. You get to come to a video call or jump on on the line on your cell phone. 
and ask me all of your questions and talk to me about strategies and mama baby birthing outlines all of these practical techniques and how you practice them during pregnancy. Clearly, you can't have your baby over and over again, but you can do a lot. You can visualize. There are practical techniques that you can practically practice for a few minutes a day, and it will make a profound difference during your birthing time because it allows you to lock into that state of flow. There is a level of familiarity that comes because you've done this. I'll even talk to you about how to practice during some of the times when you may feel natural sensations that feel somewhat similar to what you might experience when your baby's coming like Braxton Hicks contractions or going to the bathroom. I walk you through all of that so that you can do that practice and there's a lot of information for your birth partner so that they can at least devote a little bit of time to practicing with you. Breathing can be important. Figuring out how to soften and be open in your tissues. Those are things you can do it on your own if you're a single mom or if your partner isn't really willing to work along with you. But my hope is that you would have a partner who works with you and will be able to help you. But these are all explorations and practices that can be done during pregnancy. And labor and birth can be unexpected and it's a huge thing, especially if you're a first-time mom and you've never gone through it or your only experience was a difficult one. But all of this all of this will come into you. I like to say in the masterclass that I did when I talked about the three pillars of birth, those three keys, one of them is the instinctive birth code. And when you do this practice, you really tap into what is already there for you. And it's just like if we think about, if you think about a female athlete, say a runner, and you look at her, she looks beautiful. She looks in her element. She looks like it's natural to her. And that's because she's practiced over time. And so when she gets out there, she gets in that state of flow. All of that instinct, all of that practice kicks in to carry her through. And the same will happen during your birth. And I want to encourage you. You know, I talked about a lot of things and on this episode that were a little bit more idealistic and visionary and, and holding and caring and supporting, creating a safe space for a mom and for yourself. And, and this is really very practical stuff that you can do too. So it's not just all this airy-fairy kind of inspirational, motivational stuff. There's a lot that you can do practically, but it all comes together to create an experience that transforms, to create an experience where you're in that flow and where you and your baby are working together for his or her birth and to co-create this new mother-baby dyad that will be born from this beautiful experience that you're going through. So I hope that this is giving you both some practical ideas and a lot of inspiration and perhaps some insight in different ways of thinking about things. I've mentioned a couple times, a few times across the course of the podcast episode, the the online show that's coming up. Uh, I'll be featuring a lot of speakers. I've already recorded a lot of interviews. The energy is so high. I'm so awed by the wisdom and insight that's been being shared, and I cannot wait to share it with you. It's in a little over two weeks from the time that I'm recording this podcast episode and from the time that it will go live. So I want you to to go over 
right now, if you can, go to birthbabylife.com slash show. Sign up for your free ticket. I do not want you to miss it. Every day is going to feature one speaker. The interviews are not terribly long, so it's going to be easy to fit into your life. And it will just help you so much as you prepare for your baby. This event is really focused on healthy pregnancy and preparing for birth. I'm hoping to do a baby event a little bit later in the year. But definitely check this out if you're pregnant now, if you're planning to become pregnant in the next year or ever again, please check this out. It's just, I am awed. I am awed by both the energy and the wisdom that's pouring forth by the people that have been willing to share, authors, uh, birth workers, doctors, just it's an amazing lineup. So please go ahead and check that out, birthbabylife.com slash show. With that, I'm going to go ahead and finish up for today. I hope that you have a blessed week and I will talk to you next week. Thanks for listening to the Birth, Baby and Life podcast with Kristen Burgess. For great resources and tons more info, visit www.birthbabylife.com. Visit www.birthbabylife.com.